Welcome to the one-to-one. I'm your host, M. Branson. My guest for session number nine is Brute Force Works. She can be found on Twitter at Brute Force W. I'll be sure to drop that in the show notes. Brute Force is a Chilean writer and game designer who creates short, narrative-driven animations. As she says in her own words, sometimes the animations just get long. Let's go. Is it brute? Is it banana? I don't know. Call me any way you want. Okay, brute is just fine. Is it okay? That's great. And um, yeah, M or Branson works for me. Either, whatever you're comfortable with. This is wonderful. We have a lot of new faces coming in. Let's see. I've got this notification in front of me. Okay, yeah, we've got Nikki and Pri, Priyanka, Omer, Omer, Omer. Oh gosh, I butchered it. You even taught me how to say it. We got Cash Up Cash. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. So, Brute, if you want to say anything to anybody, feel free before I go in on my intro, you know. Um, but also, no pressure. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Wonderful. And I see Statuette. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. So, I'll go ahead and set the room and we can get started and we'll just dig into our super fun guided chat this is very low-key brute no pressure and um if i i get very rambly sometimes so if you do not get what i'm asking you (laughs) feel free to interrupt and tell me so yeah okay great so everybody welcome to the one-to-one i'm m branson um i am the host of this bi-weekly it's a podcast now let's just call it a podcast it's an interview series that i do live here on uh in twitter spaces and i love to give a space and a platform to the women and non-binary artists in the NFT world. Um, so having people here live is, is a huge boon in my opinion. And, uh, I love people to come up and ask questions at the end. So, um, today I am so honored. We have brute force works here with us joining us. So thank you for being here. Um, I am again, I, I think I already said it. I'm M. Uh, I go by M or Branson, my profile or my, pronouns on my profile. <laughs> my pronouns are she, her, and I'm in Portland, Oregon. Brute, can you introduce yourself and tell us where you're located? Sure. I'm in the Earlston in Scotland, and um, I go by she, her, and um, or the place where I am, it's super rural, so it's just me, the family, and some cows, you know, it's very quiet. Just you and some cows. That's great. Do they have names? Should we introduce? <laughs> the cows are not mine, but they belong to, you know, the landscape. Oh, that's sweet. I love that you call them the girls. That's very, that's wonderful. How's yeah. the, um, I have to ask because I'm curious. I've been to Scotland. I actually, I really adore it. But I'm curious how the weather is for you all right now. Is it cold? It's very uh, No, no, I, I like it. It's Today it's rather hot actually, but it's been raining and it feels like winter and it's been like that for the last month or so 
I, I I'm I'm used to the weather and I really like it. When I was younger, I used to hate it, but now I find it very soothing and kind of relaxing, and it's good for being at home and to work. Yeah, yeah, to make art. I you find mean. the summer too exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know it's very distracting. I feel like trying to get yes. out and do things, but also want to be creating things. It's yeah, it's a lot of distraction. Yeah. Well, yeah. wonderful. I'm glad that you're cozy at home. I'm I'm painting a nice me- mental picture here. That's uh, you've got your your girls outside in the landscape and your cozy vibes inside. <laughs> so, yeah. thanks for sharing that with me. Um, if we were in person, so say we're you know hanging out uh, with the girls in the landscape, and I could get you a beverage of any sort, um, what would that be? What's your f- beverage of choice? Um, I, I thought about it because I read it in the list of questions. I'm not sure, you know, it varies. Normally what I drink when I'm working, I sit and I drink Coke and that's it. I don't do coffee or I'm not very excited about coffee. I, but if we were somewhere and I could choose, you know, when one is out, one feels like having something else, probably it would be a chai latte or something like that. I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. So anything which is non-alcoholic, it's like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, a chai latte probably would be it. Or another kind of tea. Yeah, I was going to ask when you say chai latte, are you, yeah, you mean the, the classic the, the chai, chai but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like it with milk, you know, it's it goes, it stays with you longer, like you see it and you yeah. drink it and yeah, so it's so cozy. That's such a cozy beverage also to hear. But I, I, w- I won't lie. I wasn't surprised to hear you say Coke, but I do need to know, is it Diet Coke, like your daughter, or no? No, no, that. <laughs> of course it is, but it's zero actually, but, uh, you know, Diet Coke. Okay, no, that's good. That's good to know. What to... uh. What to show up with when we when we finally meet in person? I'll get you. I'll make sure to get you a coke or a chai latte with milk. <laughs> Thanks for entertaining yeah. my my silly uh, intro question. There, I love to I love to know these little things about people. So that's great. So you're in Scotland now, but where um, you know, where did you grow up? Do you, I believe this is not your your origin. No. Yeah. So where yeah. are you from? I, I grew up in Chile. In South America and in a little village. Well, it wasn't a village. It was a town that was like a seaside resort. And um, I grew up there and everybody knew everybody. It was smallish. Okay. And you were very determined by the rules of the place and all that. And I think that for the last five years I was there, maybe a bit more. I just wanted to get away from there. So I met my husband and uh, he was Scottish. Well, he still is, but uh, I, when I met him, he was already. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we got married very quickly, and we went to. David said we were going to go and live in New Zealand, okay? But I, <laughs> there was a misunderstanding, <laughs> and after marrying, we were sent to Suriname, and uh, it was a bit of a culture shock because I had just graduated as a doctor and I wanted to work, and there they spoke uh, Dutch. Oh, so I learned that, and once once I arrived there speaking Dutch, they told me that really the population I was going to deal with only spoke the local dialect, so I had to learn that. By the time I had finished, okay, we had to move to New Zealand, and we moved a lot around. <laughs> so so how many languages do you speak now? Because I was not expecting you to know Dutch. Uh, That's fascinating. 
my dad wasn't worth thank god it wasn't that because the dialect was a lot easier i speak just spanish and english and uh, i tried to learn mandarin but i was a disgrace okay i i did it i lived in taipei for four years and i took classes for like three years but if i went back there i think i would struggle to, it's not something that sticks to you or at least it didn't stick to me in Mandarin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's that. No, I'm not one of those wonderful, you know, multilingual people. <laughs> I speak Japanese and Spanish. I mean, having more than one language at all is uh, is admirable and really wonderful in today's world. So hats off to you for that. And even trying Mandarin. Oh my goodness. No, I couldn't imagine. That's a, that is a difficult one. You're right. Okay. So you ended up in New Zealand after a little bit of a detour, learning Dutch along the way, how long were yeah. you all? How long were you all there? Okay, in Suriname I was for two years. In New Zealand I was for four. Then we moved to Hong Kong for four. Taipei for I don't know. I can't remember. Might might have been three or something. Uh, then we went to the UK again for like two years, and then Spain for like four, and then. I went back to the UK, we came here, and then I went back to Chile. And then I moved to the US where I studied game design. And I was there for like four years. So it's been a little bit moving a lot, but it happens and you get used to that. And then when you don't do it anymore, it's awesome. But it's something that happens in life, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And were you doing art along the way, that whole journey? Or was it? Uh, you know, um, I, he- I hear game design in there, but I'm curious if art, as you know well, it now. Yeah. Like, I didn't, it, it, this is funny because both my parents were architects, okay? So I should have suspected that I would care about visual things. But I really, when I was a child and growing up, I, I really liked sciences. I thought they were my thing, you know? I loved biochemistry and cell biology and all those type of things. So I, when I had to go to university, I studied the closest I could in the place where I lived, okay? So I went for medicine, and I did med school, and I graduated. And the thing is that uh, being a doctor, it's not exactly very scientific. It's not like a hard science, okay? It's like very artsy in its own way. I, I don't think that I was passionate about it. But uh, obviously, the moving every two years was very disruptive for my care, my career as a doctor. So I did what I could with that. But uh, after I had both kids and I worked for a while in psychiatry, I decided not to work anymore as a doctor and see what I would do. And I started writing. And that I did for 10 years. And that made sense to me. You know, it was like, yes, this is much more what I am. And I did it for 10 years. And after that, I felt that I had done it enough. And uh, I took a course, well, I took two years in college, okay, doing a display design in the UK. And then after that, I went to work for a department store running the visual department. And uh, then both my kids were studying in the UK, in the US, and um I remember Pom selling me the university. Okay, oh, Scott is great. You know, you should learn so much. You didn't study really enough where you went, okay? And this job is not really fun. Why don't you come and study something? And eventually I did. And I wanted to do production design for like theater. And I wanted to do lights because I find fascinating the things people do with 
projections on buildings, okay? I find it like magical. So I wanted to do that. And I went to SCAD to, to, to learn production and specialize in lighting. And then uh, once I got there, they told me that I had to do some shit called the practicum, where every week you had to spend like eight weeks working in the nights in theater, just helping, you know, like a stage hand. And I thought, that's going to kill me, okay? I mean, <laughs> I'm just too old to be doing this shit. And then just at that time when I had to declare my major, I did a course in 3D design. So I was talking to my teacher and I said, oh, I love 3D design. And she said, yeah, you have all the makings of a game designer, okay? And I had never played any games. <laughs> didn't know much about it at all but he was I didn't quite realize that he was the head of the department so <laughs> I joined game design because I love 3D design yeah. I really love it I still do okay yeah. but I haven't done much with it and I went through game design I think I was good okay I, I, I'm, I'm a kind of dutiful soldier so when I have to do something I try to do it fine and I think I did well there but clearly it wasn't my world, okay? It wasn't like a place where I connected with the other students and I felt, God, we are here sharing this kind of common passion for first-person shooters. <laughs> I was like totally inadequate there, okay? So but that was that. I did it. I graduated. I did very well, in fact. And after that, I was recruited by POM who had got herself into a Kickstarter project and uh, had to make a game, okay? Because she had got the money and the project was going to happen. And she wanted me to help a little bit, so we did it. And uh, then I started doing 2D design, and it was fine. In the beginning, I didn't want to do 2D design. I thought it was off, okay? I, I didn't know how to do it either. So I said to Lainey, to Pom, eh, well, I, I'm going to do my shit in 3D, okay? And you fix it in 2D. And Pom said, no way, because that's <laughs> going to look horrible. <laughs> so I, I I kind of did the best I could, okay? that That's what happened. But uh, now I'm very comfortable. Wow. So that's just yeah. how I got into art. Yeah, so if I'm following this correctly, you were a doctor and you moved on from being a doctor to um at some point you were a writer. Like that was maybe your your first artistic output? Is that correct? I'm trying to understand if there were visuals before. Really want to know the truth of this? I find that they're while they're both artistic in a way and they're both expressive okay very yeah. very expressive you kind of contact something in you that, that when you are using it to create it hurts or it makes you laugh or it makes you feel joy it's some part of you there but in uh, writing it's very uh, verbal okay you construct it's very thought oriented it's very related to, to to words so they're more kind of i would say okay higher cortex kind of things okay mm -hmm. whereas um i would say my first contact with the visual arts would be when i i had to stop working as a doctor because i was pregnant i got a sewing a singer machine okay a sewing machine and i started making clothes for the baby and for myself and whatnot and i love that that i knew that was me okay me the sewing machine and and choosing the fabrics and the buttons and mm -hmm. the kind of things, yeah. oh, 
Yes. That was a pleasure that I don't think I have experienced before or afterwards, okay? Like the feeling of decision-making, but of a totally ridiculous nature, okay? That doesn't make <laughs> any difference in the big scheme of things. It's not life or death. It's some baby clothes. Like, yeah. You are there kind of picking up, are you going to use this kind of purple or are you going to go for the more like kind of bluish one? Okay, but you do it, and it's it's something enjoyable about it, and the project, and the kind of doing it, the the, the actual making of the clothes, and then fixing the problems that you find along the way. Okay, and then getting the thing, and I was pretty good, and I made things that I could wear, and I felt a very special relationship with the clothes I made. Okay, um, I had a fairly reasonable you know, wardrobe. I was a grown-up by then. Uh, but I love my things and I love to wear them and I felt like quite cool going to parties wearing my dresses and, you know. It was some very special relationship with that side of me that I hadn't seen before. And then it it moved, kind of created like a little tentacle and it moved into the place where I lived. Before that, I was a savage, okay? I would kind of go to a new country, open my suitcase leave it open on the floor for six months, okay? And never move the clothes from the suitcase to the wardrobe. <laughs> I found that totally menial, irrelevant waste of time, okay? I had other things to worry about. I just could leave jumping over my suitcase and finding things there and piling them up and buying new clothes when I needed. And uh, I think it was after the kids, I felt like, I don't know how, I don't know why either, okay? But a little tentacle of the, clothes making monster moved to the place where I live and I started decorating my house and you know putting cushions and buying bed linen and painting walls and I was good at it I mean good in a way that it reflected me it made my spaces uh, feel very nice to me and to the people who live with me to, to feel like a nice happy home in a way that for for us for for our family it's what it means a happy home and they know when it's not happy and when it needs to be done. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. like, uh, it's like, it's like as if I had a magic wand that can turn some places into something that it's fun. Yeah. That's, that's what I find I'm successful at doing. So I, I, I was good enough doing that and people outside the house, of course, would like my things. And then when I wanted to extend that a little bit further, I decided to go into retail design and not interior design because I thought I would always get a job in retail, okay? I thought this, this shit of interior design depends too much on the connections, who you know, and, you know, you need to be mm -hmm. in a certain circle. And I thought, whereas retail, you just pick up, you know, any ad, you go there and start from there. And if you're good, you're going to get to to make your own, you know, whatever. And I was pretty good doing that. I, I enjoyed it tremendously. Okay. I love windows more than, almost more than the sewing machine. I mean, making a window, it's extraordinary. It's I've just, always been fascinated by that. Yeah. I, I really stand and enjoy those windows. It takes such skill, right? To think through that. For me, nobody in my family likes to go with me to London or anywhere because I study the windows for, you know, each one for half an hour and I just talk about them too long. <laughs> but I love them. Yeah. I'm just dragging you along. He's like, come on. Yeah. That's super sweet. I, I mean, I'm so fascinated by your, your journey because you just, you, you exude creativity, you know, everything that you're touching. And I'd love, uh, a little bit ago, you, you mentioned, um, being a doctor, you know, and, and the creativity that 
was was there too like it's a little bit of a dance and there's definitely a a bit of a if if this then that but you have to be creative and and researching and understanding what's going on with somebody or something i could imagine so i could imagine you uh bringing a a paintbrush of sorts you know to to the way that you approached being a doctor too when when you're a doctor the part that has to do with creativity it's a certain amount of knowledge about the, the human experience okay being a human suffering or being worried about your kid or your father or how to talk to people there is something which is the same material you're going to find using in other spheres of the, the creative you know there is something inside yourself that has to do with being alive okay let's put it that way that you need to kind of open and connect let flow towards your a patient, particularly when when you're doing psychiatry, okay, and you can feel it because it also it's something that uses you. You sometimes after you've been sitting for eight hours in psychiatry with serious cases, you feel as if you had been boxing, okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the emotional muscle works there, and I find that that works also when you're working in visuals or when you're working in writing books. It also moves inside you. It's not. Can see there. It's being kind of you put it to work, yeah. And I find that in that respect, there is a commonality. Yeah, absolutely. It's a muscle, and um, the word that came to mind when you're saying that is, you know, the empathy, right? And I think there are probably some deeper descriptions or definitions of of empathy. Um, and that empathy sure. muscle, you know, you're conveying something when you're making art. You're conveying your emotions or putting it out there. You're also maybe you're. I don't know. I, I would actually like to ask you this. Are you aware or thinking about other people when you're making your art then? Or are you, when you're creating the pieces that you put out, are they purely for you and exercising that, an emotional muscle? Um, um, I don't know. Yeah. What happens is that I kind of open myself up. Okay. When I do the research, I research all things. Okay. I always did because I was a super, serious student okay so when i have to do something i try to to do it to understand what i'm supposed to be doing okay at least to 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 make it look as if i knew what i'm doing so when i'm going to do a piece in whichever subject i do research and then i have to kind of open myself and feel which areas of the things i'm seeing mean something to me and which ones i'm going to to try to bring out in, in what i'm doing and in that selection there is a level of pain and a level of direct experience and contact with the subject i'm talking about i don't i don't care about the audience okay to be very mm -hmm. honest i'm very at this age for fuck's sake <laughs> i'm very old okay I, I i really don't care i i'm doing this because it's what i want to be doing at this moment and uh, I hope people are going to, to to connect to it. And some people do, and that's enough for me, okay? I don't expect everybody to stand up and applaud, okay? But uh, I know that some people connect to what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to say, or with the way I do it, the aesthetics or whatever. And so... I'm I'm okay. I, I I'm okay. I don't I don't worry how are people going to react to this. I know that some people are going to just ignore it and some people are going to see what I'm trying to do. That's the way it has been all my life. I know how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. That I I like the way that you put that, you know. 
your age um, is a it's a strength, right? And this journey that you've just told us about and that you're you're running us through all of the experiences that you've had they lend themselves yeah, to your yeah. art and the experiences you're putting forward um the research piece was a new one i didn't realize how much or how deep the research you're doing for the pieces you're putting out are like and that kind of dovetails in the next question i had i'm curious what or who inspires you so with that lens tell us about how you choose a concept or a subject for your pieces yeah, I I think that this might be very common to, to to most artists. Okay, there are different levels of being excited about things. Sometimes, for example, I have a desire to do something that has to feel as if it. Have you seen those uh, books at times about their images done with a white paper cutouts of white paper on white paper that create just little shadows and you can see the scene. I want to do something like that, for example, okay? Mm-hmm. Or I wanted to create a scene that happened in Toile de Jouy, the fabric, or, you know, I want to do something that feels and looks like a batik. Sometimes it's a textural desire to work in something that looks this way or looks that way, okay? Something made with newspapers or, or whatever. That's one one thing that happens to me, I have like a you when you want to eat, okay, I would love to have Thai food today. Sometimes I want to experiment with a texture or a feeling or a look or something. Okay, puppet theater, whatever you want. Okay. I want to do that. A. And then B, there are themes that I'm interested in exploring, either because uh, they move me and I find that I want to say something about that in the way I would write an article about them, or because the imagery associated to that subject, it's something that moves me visually dramatically. That was in part the case with me and the self-name. I started investigated, researching them, because I saw some murals in my country about these things, and I didn't know what they were, you know, and and, and I didn't know how to get by and find out what they were. And I saw these huge murals, and they, they appear like graffiti in places. And I thought, what's this? And then one day somebody came with a present that were like two little fridge magnets, and she explained to me that they were uh, the, 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 the native people from the Tierra del Fuego, okay, uh, whatever it's called. <laughs> and um, it's the, the furthermost south part of my country. And uh, the, she explained to me about the native people, and then I read about them, and I was shocked by the story, okay, the, the, the history that had gone there. What I find worst about that uh, was that uh, the genocide wasn't done during the conquering of the country, but like uh, three, yeah, 300 years later for no reason, you know? I mean, I don't know why they did it. It was one of those horrendous things that happened and you can't understand what they were thinking. So I was shocked by that, but like many things you do in art, that that kind of thing became dormant in me, that the desire to work with that those images. And, well, then I did the, 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 the last piece I, I, I dropped that was uh, in Nomine Domini. Um, but that's the way it happened. It, sometimes I'm interested in things, in themes, because of the way some things look. 
And those those guys in their ritual gear were one of the most beautiful things I've seen, you know. So that's the way it goes. Sometimes yeah. it's a subject, but sometimes it's more complex. It's right. something about the subject. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> something no, no, about I, the I, subject. I'm totally, totally done with that idea. In fact, I'm very impressed that I finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Your 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 ideas are very complex most of the time too. That's something that draws me into them, and and I see that you know you're you're always doing a narrative with all of your pieces. It doesn't seem like any of them are um, very simple. You're you're pretty you're pretty hard on yourself <laughs> with the concepts that you put out there, and but it, I'd love to hear that that one started with a magnet, like just yeah. a little. Well, no, no. First, yeah. it started because I saw some, it was like, a, I'm not 100% sure because in my country, some street art, you don't know if it's kind of institutional, paid uh -huh. by the government to cover a wall, right. or whether it's some guys with a spray can, okay? It's a borderline street art. It was something there, incredibly beautiful, and these guys were standing in, in that scene, okay? And they were so weird because uh, I didn't manage to do them very well because it was difficult for me to to do the animation with them. But they were these incredible hats, okay, that are like huge cones on the heads or, or things like giant horns, okay? And I thought, what are these things? And why are they painting them in lots of different places? And then somebody gave me the magnets and I discovered, you know, how to how to start uh, researching the thing. Got and it. I didn't expect it to be such a uh, piece of history, but well, it, it was. Okay? I think that native people tend to have really tough bits of history behind. I mean, that's what we do, okay? Yeah. When I say that's what we do, that's what we do, okay? <laughs> Uh, who's who's the we let me make sure i understand who's who's the we in that the we we as a mankind whatever as people okay as, mm -hmm. as any whatever a neighborhood the, the social club the football association whatever when we want to move forward we don't just think about it make a plan and go we try to go flatten the the soil okay and remove everything which is on the way to get where we want to go yeah. there is a kind of brutality in the approach to expansion and yep. to conquering and to discovering and to kind of getting to, to know the world was never a matter of, you know, we are going to go to study the plants. It was we are going to go to study the plants, kill everybody there, bring someone <laughs> captive to show in the fair. I mean, why? Yeah, yeah why? <laughs> I know. That's why, okay? And I don't think we have improved much more. I mean. Yeah, I know. We could, um, I feel like we could go in that direction and get very deep on it. The philosophical conversations we have in our house about this also, and the origin of the conqueror mentality <laughs> is a fascinating one. But yeah. yeah. But I mean, when I say we, it's because I don't think it's done by some, they who are bad and I'm on the side. I'm sure when I, when it was my turn, I wouldn't be much better. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to see, I can see it once it's happened. From, you know, 300 years afterwards, you feel, oh, my God, how did they do that? But probably we're contributing with our own little actions to the same pattern, okay? Yep. Oh. Yep. 
Yeah, it's all Just, it's all connected. Yeah, the, yes, I think so. Yeah. I think we haven't learned so much from history, but anyway, that's that's that piece. Okay, I'm not a historian, and I'm not into kind of a really historical critique. Okay, it just. I was interested by the aesthetics of these people. And also I wanted to do a piece that had to do with the movements, mm-hmm. certain movements, okay, that uh, normally you see in whatever Cirque du Soleil, okay, but uh, that I find that have kind of that ritual feeling. So right. I wanted to use that type of movements. And, and that's what I was trying to do. I didn't have enough time, but I did what I could. Yeah, I mean, I think you I think you captured it. And hearing the, the background on it is... Um... It's extremely helpful and fascinating. And I do think, like, I, I get that you don't, you don't say that like, you don't have an agenda here. You're not trying to um, make extreme statements about specific things in history, but you do have a really great knack of highlighting things that are happening through the stories that you tell or through the things that are um, resonant to you. And thank you for doing that because I learned things like every piece that you've put out that I I just enjoy it, but I also dig in and read what you have to share about it and go, huh, that's definitely not something that I thought about or would have maybe necessarily been known about. So thanks. Thanks for doing that. You are maybe unwittingly um, doing a bit of that, you know, having a a place in, in history, art history and revealing things, which is great. That's really cool. I hope so. I just hope that when people see it, they don't feel that they're being preached good behavior that's not my intention right, right. i talk about the things that move me okay and the things that move me like probably they move everyone okay have to do with unfairness or with pain or with uh, also some exciting things but uh it's it's what moves me i go and i try to do something about it because it's the way i connect to the doing and, and sometimes to be super very honest okay the other day i was I don't know what I was doing. I was working, I think, in the in the in the piece with the little octopus, and a nephew of mine came and said, "Hey, you should be doing a, an NFT about Afghanistan." And I said, oh, "I just feel that I'm going to put my foot in the wrong place for sure." Okay, that's a very delicate situation. I'm not a Muslim. I don't feel in a position to criticize. I feel that it's going to feel typical, kind of outsider making moralistic comments about something which is super complex, okay? Yeah, yeah. And he said, well, why don't you do some research, okay? So I did research and I found that there was space there where I could feel that I had enough authority, okay? Or if I didn't have enough authority goal, I was enough at the moment after reading. I felt in the beginning that it wasn't my place to to make comments about that, okay? Um. But after that, I felt that uh, as a woman, yeah, come on, okay, yeah. they have the right to go to school and they have the right, you know, to to, to decide on their religion. Whatever else, okay, I'm I'm totally respectful of uh, the Islam and and any other religion. I think that they're very complex systems of belief that sustain a lot of things, a lots of way of life that we don't understand. It doesn't mean that they're not good. Right. They're good within that system, okay? And I feel that one, one has to walk very carefully in systems of belief you don't understand and share. Yeah. Keeping your mouth shut normally, it's very wise. But in that case, fuck, okay? Yeah. It was just so bad. So yeah. I did it in the end. 
you did it in the end and it's something that you know it it touches on multiple societies and multiple cultures you know i think you you found a common thread there that um that resonates across many people and that's the beautiful thing about the art that you're putting forward so thank you for doing it thank you for talking to us about your approach to that too because it is you're right it is a very sensitive thing and um it's uh, very i mean yeah it's very easy to go very untitled with your kind of you know first Mm -hmm. world sitting in your house saying goodness me that shouldn't be happening okay right yes I, i come from a country where horrendous things happen and i was sitting there looking to the side trying to go unnoticed okay for like 10 years of my life um I know how complicated it is to be inside and do or not do and things like that. And to say, this is what you should be doing. Yes, this is what everybody should be doing. Okay. But I think that there is a part where it belongs to the world. Okay. And some things that are done to people belong to everyone. And we are all part of it. And we are all uh, complicit in letting that happen and in not doing enough for that not to happen. And I think that some things cross a certain line in my in my head, okay? I might be wrong, but in my head, they're bad enough for me to feel, ah, who cares, okay? I'm going to say what I feel, and if somebody doesn't like it, they can put a fat on me or whatever. <laughs> they can do whatever they feel like it, okay? But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just feel my restraint comes more from feeling that normally one is ill-informed and totally kind of prejudiced by the media and by incomplete reports and a little bit of reading in Facebook and whatnot, okay? And mm-hmm. you feel that you have this complete picture of the situation and you haven't got a clue, okay? Yeah, so yeah. Normally it's like that. But this one, I think it's pretty pretty clear that there is a certain behavior towards my representative of of my gender, okay, that are treated in a way, I mean, come on, I'm not talking even about religion, I'm talking about selling the kid to get the goat, okay, it's, and it's not only the Taliban, which is bad enough, okay, it's the poverty they have at this point, that country just has suffered through and through, and it's there now, left you know 20 years of intervention by the people who knew how things were done and now they were left there i imagine like the raft okay the raft of the medusa or something like that it's a tough image it's tough it's tough to see them there i wasn't never too excited about the intervention i felt do we really need to be there doing so much in the country which is not yeah. One wonders about that intervention. But when you see it ending and you see the people left alone, you feel like you would like to send them a blanket okay, or something. Fuck. Yeah, it's just yeah, that. Yeah, basic so human. Kind of yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that that's a kind of human catastrophe, okay? Yeah. <laughs> kind of a, it's, it's, it's bad. I, I, I did that piece and, uh, well, we donated the money to 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 some charity yesterday. They sent me an email because they put me in their rota of emails, and they were saying that they're stopping activities because they are not able to work within the country. Okay, they were working until the last three or something weeks, and now they're just working with the refugees outside. So I suspect that things inside, and they're very worried about the safety of their staff. Okay. Yeah. Things haven't got better. We just forgot about them. But uh, it's it's one of those things, okay? It is. I and don't know. I, mean, 
I think that yes, we are. Sometimes the growth is not strong in Afghanistan. It's happening, okay, and it belongs a little bit to all of us, and we can see if we can do something. But uh, yeah, it's not. And the moment you say this is, I have authority to speak. I think that also you have the duty to do something. It's not enough to sit and say, "Oh my God, you know they don't know what they are doing." I mean, yeah. After you say that, what what are you willing to do, and uh, how far are you willing to go? Right, and you. I think yeah, it's 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 still very bad there, and yeah. it hasn't got any better. No, and you're very yeah, you're very right, and you made the the point too about you know people people forgetting if it's not in the if it's not in our faces, it's something that is easy to step beyond and not focus on. So the fact that you're bringing it forward in your art and making the sale and donating the money back, um, it's beautiful. It's one thing that can be done. So I don't know. I, I'm not somebody yeah. to say thank you. It doesn't impact me specifically, but thank no, you for no, doing it's it. Something, it's inspiring. Something that you can do from your house. Okay. Because let, let's, I, I'm not entirely sure I'm ready to go there to fight for the freedom, yeah. but from my house to do that shit. Okay. It's a pretty easy. It's not, it's not a major exercise in, right. in kind of, didn't take all my courage to do that. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, we could do, but it's just, I don't know where to start and where to end. I mean, uh, Afghanistan is just one, okay? If we made the list of the places where we should be worrying and things we should be worrying about, I I do worry, you know? It's uh, it's funny. It's a worry now that I didn't have when I was younger, okay? When I was younger, I was worried about much more immediate things like problems with my kids and the, the changes from one country to another and so on. I didn't have much time to look at the universe, okay? Right. To look at the, that, that sort of what's going to happen with the planet. But uh, for the last 10 years, I have this feeling that something that I thought was not going to happen, it is going to happen. Has to do, of course, with the climate change and the things that are going to happen as a result of that. Or let's put it more clearly: that are happening as a result of that. Okay. Right. Um, I didn't think I was going to see it in my lifetime, and now sometimes I think about my kids, and I wonder whether they're going to go through the shortages of food, the, the fires, and things like that. Okay. There are going to be some things that are going to be terrifying towards, you know, the next hundred years. I, one can see it, okay? You don't need to be a scientist to, to, to imagine it, okay? It's going to happen. I thought it wouldn't. I thought it was going to take longer, like when they say, you know, one day the sun will <laughs> burn off and you say, oh, well, come on, okay? But this one, I think it's going to happen. At least my kids are going to see it, and it's sad. Yeah. I mean, you, you think the sun's going to burn off during our no, lifetime? No. No, no, no. I think that was going to be more. No, I think that what's going okay. to happen yeah. is that uh, I, I imagine that um, when the climate change reaches a point, there could be a little bit of problems with the food supply and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And when that happens, what you get, it's a little bit maybe of a societal collapse. And when you get the societal collapse, you get the people looting. Okay. And that's ugly. I mean, it's like. It's something you don't imagine would happen, but I wouldn't have imagined something like COVID was possible, okay? Right. If I, yeah. yes, but something that uh, you see people sort of with a kind of 
the freezer trucks outside the hospitals and say in the UK they don't have where to put the people who have died, so they have to organize some temporary morgues in car parks. When you hear that, okay, it's how can it be happening in the 21st century? You don't imagine that you were going to see something so like uh, the, you know, Black Death. Uh, and, and well, we did see it. And then um, I get the feeling that when, if it happens that way, okay, the problem with climate change start with food shortage, we're going to see something bad. Well, no, I, I'm not going to see it, okay? Definitely, I don't think it's going to be within the next 20 years. Right, but things things can be trending that direction, yeah. Talk to me about um, your your thoughts on NFTs and blockchain and crypto world, you know, in that sense then. You know, do you have hope that this is a change for the better or is it just what it is and the I, environmental I, I impact is what it is? I don't think I understand well enough at all, okay? I have to be super, very honest, how this NFT world, to me, it's like uh, an Instagram, okay, where you can sell your things. Another, It's like a Facebook, but with more people who do art. That's the way I relate to NFTs at my kind of more <laughs> primitive level. I haven't given any study. I know that some people consider that this is very... Dirty detrimental for the environment but i'm sure that that will be taken care of i mean that's ridiculous okay if it's not necessary why why to do it any longer they will find another way to do it that's what i feel i'm not particularly worried at the moment about that i have to say that probably part of my lack of concern is that i haven't done much research in the subject but this nft world i mean it started like i was I was expecting it to end every day, okay? Every time something stopped selling, I thought, okay, that's it. Okay, <laughs> that, that's it. And then the next time there was a mini winter, and I think, oh, now it's it, okay. Now, now it's, this is going to finish. I always said to Lenny, yeah, sure, to Pom, okay? Yeah. Do your things and sell your things. It's great. You know, you can you can buy, go, go to Paris, okay? Have a weekend somewhere. I didn't imagine it like a long-term project for anyone, okay? Right, right. I didn't imagine 10, 10 years. What am I going to be doing in the next 10 years? <laughs> I thought that it was going to just be like uh, the flavor of the month. I, I'm not a visionary, okay? That's quite clear. <laughs> I don't claim to be. So I imagine it to be like, well, yeah, okay, great. But at some point, I thought people are going to wake up and they're going to realize that they're paying this fortune for some things that, well, you wouldn't pay, a company wouldn't pay a super top artist to do, you know, in a concept artist to pr- deliver exactly the same piece. They would pay whatever, $2,000 or something like that, okay? It's like, what the, what the fuck? I mean, why are they paying these prices for these things? That was my kind of native... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling about it, okay? Now, I've been looking at the, the process and I've been looking at, at what's being sold and, and what's being bought and so on and so forth. I think that there are great artists. I think that the relationship between some of the people I find superb and the amount they sell or the prices they save for, it's non-existing, okay? Mm-hmm. At the moment, I see a total disparity between the market and what my eye tells me it's interesting or groundbreaking or going to one direction. I see some things that I find are brilliant, okay? Just brilliant in concept, brilliant in execution, and so on. 
and uh, they just go and notice and then you see them there sitting peacefully five months later okay and then you see some things that you find look a cross between my little pony and whatever okay he man okay or whatever <laughs> it's something that they're like oh. and they seem to be you read the, the the kind of collector thank you for giving me the opportunity to purchase this masterpiece so Either I have a big cultural disconnect with the kind of collector, with the collector group, okay? And there is some guys there that understand where the boat is going, okay? Let me tell you one thing. I've never been a trendsetter, okay? When the mini becomes popular, when, you know, there are those cycles and people are going around wearing some whatever, okay? Tartan jackets with striped trousers. That's horrible, Okay. Like five years later, when everybody has done it, then I feel that's totally fine and I want to do it myself, okay? <laughs> so I'm not totally, totally want to say that I yeah. know if the collectors are collecting the right thing or wrong. If mm. you ask me to be very sincere about it, I would say there is a total disparity. There is great art and there is art being sold, some things being sold. Some are very good. Some, I don't understand why they move, why that interest at all, okay? And uh, I think that um, I, I think that there is a, a coalescence of different groups of people. I think there are, and there are going to be more, perhaps, obviously, there are going to be more. I'm sure about this one, okay? More collectors collecting digital art, because I think that there are interesting things happening in digital arts. Definitely, okay? And I think that they might collect directly or they might collect digital arts through the gatekeepers, you know, and the art galleries and so on. Uh, buyers are not so confident on their knowledge. So normally they use something. But let's say that, yes, there is an amount of collectors that are for pieces that they want to keep and that they, as an investment and as a piece to keep. Then there is something that I don't understand that has to do with collectibles and things that it's more like digital toys. Okay, they're buying some right. really right. fancy toys. They're, they have the looks and they have the attitude and, and they're kind of great fun. Some are very clever and cleverly done. Some are not even that. Okay, but they're really very expensive toys and there is a market for that. I mean, and there is. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, there is something going on as well, like uh, the conspicuous consumption and people trying to go into an auction and wanting to be the one who bids highest. Mm -hmm. And they auctions go a life of their own that depends also on the mood and that competitivity that's going on, okay? It's, it's, it's a weird, strange market. Market-wise, I don't know. I think digital arts are developing through this. Yeah. I think that digital arts are going to continue when NFTs don't exist anymore. I think that the important thing here is that it opened a venue for something that before all you could do, okay, was to go and to apply for a grant from a university and maybe get it to do a projection in the building in, in, in the corner of your neighborhood, okay? And, and that was your hope, or you would do something, a little comic about something. But uh, there wasn't any place to show or sell or to get any money. This has been a miracle for tons of people who love digital arts, okay? Mm. Creating it, seeing it, and so on. And this has been wonderful. And I think that the value of that, it's uh, doesn't relate to what we see in the world at the moment, okay? 
all, all the sample and all the things that are being bought and sold. Absolutely. Yeah. And you made a touch on the intersections. Like there's so many intersections of, of people and use cases and things, even in within art itself, right? The, the different, I think there are different things bringing different people in every single moment. Um, and then yeah. exposing those people are exposed to things that they didn't even expect to find. <laughs> and maybe they find it yeah, interesting, you know? This is wonderful. Okay. The, what we are seeing, the amount of things being, because I studied, okay, for four years, I went to university and I did very dutifully study digital arts. Okay. That's what I did. It happened digitally and I had a training in arts and so on. And I saw some things being done and mainly guys trying to do their version of Pixar and guys doing their games. Okay. Because that's what was happening in in, in the building where I studied. Mm-hmm. Um but what I see here, some people are doing incredibly good things. I mean, very, very unique, particularly with the AI-generated things. There are some objects of beauty being created that are breathtaking, okay? And the guys who are experimenting there are opening doors for the rest of us who are not so experimental, okay? But to create and explore a world of producing a beauty because I see them, okay? I see the product of those kind of things, and some of them are breathtakingly beautiful, better than any master, okay? If you say, no, that's not done by a human, fuck off, okay? <laughs> Whoever is creating that and, and, and choosing and elaborating, it's producing something. Yeah. That field is important, okay? Just that that narrow field, the fact that there are millions of people doing small animations, like mine, but like a lot of other guys, okay? Before, what did you do if you wanted to animate something? Make a, a, in, in your kitchen, okay, a, a full-length uh, movie? I mean, what could you do? And And then... When you have, want to do a movie, you have to sell it to somebody who's going to distribute it, okay? Yeah, yeah. So it becomes commercial, commercially determined. You can't create just what you want to create. So I would be discussing with whoever, whether it's appropriate or not to make something about uh, Afghanistan, okay? Anyway, I think that we are on time, no? <laughs> Am I taking all your time talking too much? I'm really sorry. I love it. No, this is great. I I mean, you have a lot of knowledge to share and this is exactly what this is for. And I love to hear your perspective because it only helps um, inform your art and where you're from. And, and so no, yeah, I, I always allot a bit of extra time um, to this on my side. So don't be, don't be shy. Um, it's good. It's really good. The question that I wanted to ask you though around this um, last subject we've been on is, you know, we know you're an artist. Do you collect any of the things that you're seeing? Are you um, out there consuming the NFTs as well? Or are you no, no, purely no, an artist? Um, no, no, I, I'm not either. Okay. I'm, I'm a person who buys the, that person likes. Okay. So normally when I have the money, I buy and I buy plates and I buy things for my house and I buy clothes and I buy books and I buy, I buy books because they're beautiful. I would buy million more objects, but I, I don't make enough money. Okay. I'm not like other members of the family who are better paid. Uh, I, I really make very little with my sales and uh, I have to change my computer and things like that. Otherwise I would buy more. I bought quite a handful of things because I like them and I want to keep them. Okay. Yeah. They are things I love to have, but uh, um, I, I haven't been able to collect to a level to say, yeah, I'm, I'm here, you know, collector i find that when people put in their bio collector okay it's just a way to get some attention <laughs> i wish i 
collector, okay? But for, no, I must have bought whatever, 20 pieces, okay? That's yeah. just because that's what I could afford. But there, the most incredible thing, you know, you go there and you see the things and you see one, one in, in OpenSea for 0 0.03 that are beautiful, okay? Yeah. If yeah. I could buy all those, I mean, I feel sometimes so sad that I can't buy them because I think this is too cheap, you know? And I can't resist anything, which is like, buy one get one free so i see them and i think this i have to buy otherwise it's going to be gone yes i'm sorry i'm just here to say that you have a bunch of fans who say that they want more mama pom they don't <laughs> want the interview to end yet <laughs> they want more mama pom expecting stories these stories about they love you uh, i think they loved when you said that collectibles are basically expensive toys yeah, yeah well they are i'm I mean, not watching what about that okay so funny i'm not watching any back channels so palm thank you and and people who weren't here at the beginning um you know brute and palm are mother and daughter and palm is in the same house and brute is using palm's phone and so if you hear another voice it's not brute being jekyll hyde it's her daughter coming in the room <laughs> Yes. Which one would I be, Jekyll or Hyde? Hyde. I'm Hyde. Oh my goodness. Oh man. Brute, I... You asked me whether I was collector. Yeah. I said, I think that's something. You know? If I had more money, I would collect more. Not because I want to help the other artists, okay? I don't do it because of that. I feel that collectors have to collect because they want to have the thing. When I buy, yeah. I don't buy because I want to support an artist. I buy because I love the art. I want to have it. I want to be the owner, okay? <laughs> that's the way it goes. That's the no, kind of altruism in my in my things but yeah what limits me from buying more it's that i don't have the money there are incredible things there at prices that are just to imagine that you can claim ownership of something for 0 0.03 I, today i was well if, if you go through my feed you will find millions of things that are unbelievable and i don't even understand how people price them okay that that that, that can reflect anything related to the creative process i think that it's god uh, yeah. In the same way, there are collectors that buy things that perhaps I wouldn't and I wouldn't recommend to buy, <laughs> to put it that way. Uh, the, the artists sometimes price their things in a way that you feel, are you, is this Harakiri, okay? Do you want to die? What's this price, okay? How can you be selling something that beautiful, that evolved with so much craft in it? Yeah. well there's that there's that like i mean let's talk about that for a second right like and you've 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 been in the space longer than i have and so has palm and i'm sure you all have talked about this so i'm curious like do you think that there's merit in coming in and pricing yourself low to work yourself up or is it come in and price what you think you're worth like just those two things alone are pretty adversely opposed um to come in and I, yeah I feel that uh, myself, okay, if you ask me, but, but it has to be said here, okay? I don't pay the bills full stop, okay? Um, I have a husband here who pays the bills and I don't get too close to them just in case. And uh, so 
being not depending financially of the results of this venture, I'm totally averse to selling things cheap, okay? I think it's not right. I think being ridiculously expensive and putting absurd prices, it's also incorrect. But I think that you have to kind of sell like you would sell in the industry, you know, more or less. And also I feel, for the love of God, okay, one has to deliver a product that could stand some kind of, you know, inspection outside not just because you grab a photograph of your breakfast okay put a filter and then sell it i feel that that's not the the best direction for this a kind of growing art expression of the nfts i think that it has to be priced tough and it has to deliver high that's my feeling price tough and deliver high yeah for the love of god Price the highest you think you can get and be patient. Yeah. Because if you start selling for 0.3, you can get into this trap where people buy for 0.3, but they don't buy anything else. And then you burn yourself out making things and then you start lazy minting and so on. Okay. I think that you have to, to know there is a price for things, of course. Okay. If somebody asks you to design a logo, you charge something, you know more or less what you would charge. If you were freelancing, how much? I don't think you have to go crazy creating yourself like I'm this big superstar, okay, yeah. at all. Yeah. But I also think that 0. 0.03 doesn't reflect at all anything. It's not a price for a professional selling something that has taken any, you know, training and and, and skill and thoughts and research to do. Now, if you don't put skills and training and and thought and research, don't do it all together. Okay, just, there was something that Ezra Pound say about, you know, one thing is being able to play the harmonium in your house and another thing is giving a concert. Yeah, yeah. I think that if you're not going to, to, to deliver, well... Okay, don't. But I think that if if you're going to do, I think that, let's put it this way, people can do anything they want, okay? I'm not here to tell them what to do. I think that what would be best for NFTs and for the growth of this movement, let's call it a movement, would be if people really put their hearts in delivering good, something they feel it's good quality, that they know, you know, they're proud of. And when they do that, they should claim the price that they feel is fair and and be patient. But as I said, all this is said from a very comfortable place. And perhaps if I had to pay my bills, I would be selling a lot lower and making a lot more. Okay. So it's a, it's a difficult thing to be too, too critical. It is. It is. I mean, and even we touched on it a handful of times already in the last hour, but you know, what is good and what isn't good a lot of this is subjective like and what is a collectible versus what is art and all of these things and not to say that you're wrong or not like i i totally agree with you and what i'm hearing from you is that subjectivity is at play here but also i would just put it in the creator's hand you know i would say you try to do your best okay and once you've done that which is your best Charge what you think you are worth, okay? Beautiful. And but yeah. yeah, having said that, the reality is a different story, and I respect people who have needs, okay? For the love of God, I mean, if you have to pay the kids' school, and this is what you are doing, and you are investing in this, 
choose your strategy, okay? Time will show what's the best strategy. Yep. Time will show us also where Root is headed. I want to know what you're creating. Like, not physically, not, I'm not meaning your art. Don't tell me, like, you could tell me about a piece of art, but I want to know where you're headed in the space. We've, we've heard you talk about maybe there, there's a, a winter and you expect the bottom to fall out and then, oh, it's done. Do you still feel that way? Are you planning for the future? Like, where are you going in NFTs? Yeah. Uh, I feel myself personally that the format of NFTs, it's not what uh, fits me perfectly well. So I'm trying to bend it a little bit. I need longer cycles, more research, deeper projects, and I'm going to do something to see if it works. Okay. If it's not the NFTs, at least I'm going to leave behind me something that I've been trying to make. Um, with this, I think we should finish poor people, okay? But uh, there are two things that have impressed me very much after I started getting closer to arts, okay? Before I didn't pay much attention, I read like a monster and I never care about art. But after I got closer to it, the two things come from my kids, okay? One is this comic, The Arkham Asylum by, what is it, Lainey? Dave McKean? Yes, Dave McKean. Yeah, it's Dave McKean. It's the Arkham Asylum. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's a comic, but it's a, I would say, groundbreaking comic, okay, in terms of the way it's created, the texture. Yeah, um, that's one. And the other one, I don't know if you've seen because you're too young, okay, but uh, my kid, my, uh, John, was crazy during a period of his life about this series that were animated, sort of thing called uh, Broken Saints. It was. Um, it was done by a guy that later on went to work in transmedia and do marketing campaigns and so on and so forth. But it was like a guy with a team of him and his best friends, okay, doing something that was like, whatever, okay, six hours of animation. And those two things, the scale of those things, I want to do a big one, okay? I want to do a big project. So I thought I was going to do it through games and I was working in one project and the narrative got really overcomplicated, okay? So we dropped it. And then I was working on another project that I still love. And I thought, this is going to be it. And then just at that time, POM started exploring NFTs and I decided to come and visit. And um, I think still I want to do that big project. And I think I'm doing something to see if I have the, the gumption, okay, to do it, and if I have it in me, and if I can deliver with Max Take, we are doing something which entails a narrative, which is longish, and 12 episodes. Oh, wow. And that it's like a mini series, okay? Yeah. And it articulates together Max's pieces. And I want to do this big NFT. I don't know how it's going to sell in terms of what would be the vehicle there to sell this? Okay, how would I break it to sell? I don't care too much about the commercial part. What I really want to do is something that I'm super proud of and that it's bigger. I find NFTs are great when I get bored working on something more profound and to 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 have like a, I don't know, it's like to have a pizza when you're on a diet, okay? Awesome to make a little short something but my nature goes towards heavier projects i'm i'm a novelist writer i write books novels okay not short stories and i find that the nft format it's very restrictive for me i can sense it okay it's too fast it's too short 
I mean, yeah, that's like content on the internet these days. Everything's quippy, you know, very, very short and bite-sized. It's really cool to hear that you and Max are, um, Max Seke, if, if people didn't catch that, um, are working together on this. I'm super excited. You both are so talented and that's very fun. I love what I've seen from, I think you all tease some stuff too. Max is an example of a guy with a vision, okay, technical yeah. skills to give around and who's not getting the kind of, you don't understand why he's not selling at the prices some of my little ponies are selling, okay? You just feel, what's wrong with people? I don't want, how can Take go around there, okay? The, the amount of things he has that are superb are just yeah. incredible, okay? Yeah. And uh, I felt that way about Max and uh, I once I was joking and I said, we could do something narrative. And he said, I would love it. And we didn't pay any attention to that. But sometimes when you, it's like you call a spirit, okay? Something that you summon into happening that you didn't really mean it. And the, the, the story started kind of growing in my head. And, and one day I said to Max, okay, we are ready. But I know it's going to take a long time. I'm talking about April, whenever next year, okay? Something like that. I don't care too much. And I know. Because I have I have discovered something. I can put this really complex narrative, like five scenes and with a plot and whatever crap I do, okay? And people just, I get one like from Pom and another one from Shohan. Hi, Shohan. Uh, I get like that, okay? And then I, I, I know, now I know it. I make one of these window panes where I put like a little collage of a nine scene and people react, oh, this is awesome. And I think it was awesome before. It was just longer, okay? <laughs> you just have to stop scrolling and look at it. It was in a way better before, okay? It had a rhythm, it had a music, yeah. it had something. People want to see it all at once. Yeah. If you have anything that starts with a black screen, that's it, okay? They they want to see where where is the the kind of the punchline of this crap, okay? What, what, what am I seeing here? If they don't discover it immediately, you are gone. Yeah. Now I do everything that I promote, I promote the window pane and I don't do the real thing, the narrative. I don't even bother, okay? People don't look at it. That's yeah. the reality of it. So yeah. I'm 100% sure that people are not going to look at the narrative here, but it is something I want to do. And I'm going to do it. And Max is excited about it. And we'll see. Some people will like it. I think a lot of people will like it. I mean, and yeah, learning the marketing game too in this Twitter space, not that it's right, but my goodness, yes, you're right. Everybody wants to be sucked in immediately, right? And the window yeah, pane, like I said that. Okay, anything yeah. which it doesn't have a kind of overstimulation. Look, yep. you, you go to the threshold to de developing a seizure, and there, just before <laughs> the future, you are right. Okay, anything which is toned down and it's not bright and, and fast, no. Okay, yeah. that's just one like from your best friend. Yeah. That's the reality of this uh, because uh, we are all working here and using Twitter to market. As marketing tool, it's very limiting, okay? It is, yeah. But that will evolve. You can yeah. be sure that the problem is that when it evolves, normally it comes together hand in hand with becoming a commercial venture, okay? Like, you know, entertainment thing. And then you get the pressures of people you go to pitch and they say, oh, yes, but, you know, maybe, yeah, but you're working on African people. It's not selling well this summer Let's talk again next year. So it, it, there is a lot to be perfected, but I 
feel that at the moment, in this chaos, there is a, a good thing. It's a really, okay, uncontrolled. Yeah, people just put whatever they want and people go and buy it. And it's totally accidental. It's chaos, you know, running loose. But I think that they, when one feels, God, it would be great to have this kind of place where we could uh, market our things without having to do it in Twitter, the moment that starts, it's going to be controlled by somebody. Okay, yeah, yeah. When it gets better, it's going to be more controlled. So we have to put up with the crap because some power comes from that crap. We have to enjoy the seizure-inducing My Little Pony time while we have it. So let's do that. <laughs> Yes, okay. so we can we can learn to put a bit more seizure into our marketing kind of little uh, which yeah. is black put a little border in a color maybe and with a glitch okay i mean i don't know but it's i, I learned myself that it was a waste of time to put what i had really created as the fruit of my labor okay total waste of time nobody gives a shit okay you have to put the cute thing all at once, okay? It's like a, you make a little kind of advent calendar and then they see it. Until you make the advent calendar, what a bore, okay, this woman. Does she think that I have five seconds to go to this shit? Oh <laughs> I go to to live, okay? That, that's, that's the way it goes. This has been hilarious and enlightening. I love it. I love to know your, your true thoughts on the marketing uh, strategies of the day. It's really, really good. <laughs> You're not alone. You really say it like it is. Well, I, I can tell you, okay, I've never been a visionary. So trust me that for in 10 years, I'm going to be trying to make myself a little pony, okay? And finding it, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really expressing myself through this, okay? At the moment, I just don't get it, but maybe there is something that I'm missing. I mean, there's not a what lot I of rhyme do. or reason, I think, to some of these things. And sorry, this is not I financial advice for anybody ever. And I also need to say that I do have a piece of Max's work too. And, and But I just want to say out loud, like, is any of this, like, calculated? I don't know. Like, I, I think you're really touching on a nerve probably for a, a lot of people, Brute. And really, thank you for being real about it. Because <laughs> I don't know that we talk about it often enough. Thank you for having me here and for inviting me to this very lively chat. I really enjoyed it tremendously. We're not done yet. Where are you going? Don't leave. <laughs> get a coke. Let me get a coke, then because... You can you can get your coke, but I want I want to make sure that if people have questions for you that they can come up and ask. We can just do like you know hold space for another few minutes. So if people do want to ask, Brute's getting her coke. No stress, Brute. You get your coke. I'm back. She's back. That was so fast. Okay. Does anybody have any questions for Brute? You can request to come up. Just a kind reminder that I'm recording this, so you will be recorded. And. uh while while we wait and see if anybody comes up, I do have some other questions for you. I have a, a rapid fire question round here, so we can ask you some of those. But nobody wants to come up. They're afraid we're going to talk about NFT pricing and My Little Ponies who induce seizures. I'm going to answer sincerely and talk for the next half hour. Okay, look. <laughs> no, there's never any pressure. But if, I just want to make sure there's space your ideas <laughs> all right let's go into this rapid fire question round if anybody wants to come up just let me know okay so Brute, sure. tell me your favorite color 
offer. At the moment, gray, okay, which is a non-color, but that's uh, something that I like. And if you push me for colors, I would say teal, something in between blue and green. All right. Got it. Gray and teal as a backup. So if you had to choose, would you choose summer or winter? Winter. Okay. And um, NFT platforms, do you choose between OpenSea or Hikek Nuke? Oh, uh, no, um, open sea. I, as a person, okay, I find that he uh, could. I like. I love the philosophy, but I hate the pricing. That that pricing when you can buy an artist for two tests. Fuck. Okay, why are you going to pay whatever else? I find that it's a killer for uh, pricing. I think it's a beautiful thing for artists changing things okay that's awesome and the philosophy it's beautiful and some of the stuff around there it's wonderful but i think that um the price thing i find it complicated i would have stick to one-to-one that's what i would have done okay yeah that's fair that's fair so that my next question additions or one-to-ones one of ones one to one. Oh yeah at this point, okay. if, I, if I want to go mainstream, of course, I would try to get Sony to distribute me, okay? And to have a TV channel. But if I'm doing NFTs, I think that I'm safer going one-to-one and sticking to that. Because when people want to have something, they will know what they have to pay and that they, what they're getting. Yeah. When when I sell it for two tests, well, okay? Or, or even worse, 0.3 tests. Okay. Fuck. I mean, if you can buy something for that, why to pay any more? I'm one of those people. I, I have a piece up for 0.5 Tez. This is not a show, but I'm just laughing at myself because I'm totally <laughs> for for head 500. I have a, a 0.5 Tez piece up right now. I, I yeah. I mean, but probably you want your friends to have your art. Okay. I think that there is a philosophy going on there, with like a big hippie commune where everybody yeah, yeah. kind of is swapping things there. That's me. But I yeah. mean. From the collector point of view, I have to say that if I bought something there that I can, I I would find it complicated. So for the safety of pricing, I would stick to a platform with one-to-one. That's what I would do. All right. Uh, Discord or Twitter? Neither. Mm-hmm. I mean, Twitter, look, anything where people start all talking at once, I find it just maddening, okay? I don't know how people cope with that. I'm one-to-one, okay? I'm definitely. I mean, anything which I, I, I belong to two or three of these uh, chat groups, okay? And by the time I've stopped working and I read something that I would like to reply, there are 25 lines later, okay, and they're in something else. And then you come back and try to talk about it and nobody knows what you're talking. I find them impossible, okay? So I'm Twitter, yeah. All right, Twitter. Um, Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes or no? (laughs) Fine. I I don't like it, but yeah, it could go there if it feels like it, yeah. Okay. You'll go there. You'd oh, go with pineapple. All right. And the last one, this is, this is going to be my favorite, but I'm going to pronounce, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. So you have to choose. Is it Okasan or CryptoPom? Uh, mm. <laughs> I think it's the most silent you've been this entire time. Be You're going to choose CryptoPom? Uh, yes, no, don't make me choose that. <laughs> it would be so sad. All right, but we've heard it here. Okay, good, good. No, you can have both. I just 
wanted to understand if you're really driven by the fluff or, or love for your daughter. So that's good. Uh, it's a complicated one. I'm driven by both, okay? I love it. They, because Boba Fett is so powerless, okay? To have to make that decision would be, he, he, he can't defend himself, but Pom, I mean, you know, Crypto Pom, come on, okay? It would have to be her, but it wouldn't be painless. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, fair enough. We have we have a question. We have Paul. Sorry if you requested a while ago, Paul. I was too embroiled in my my rapid fire. Um, what's your question? And welcome. Oh, it's it's definitely okay. Um, I've loved this space. By the way, it was so great to hear you talk. Uh, you're definitely Palm's mom. That's for sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Well, I heard you guys were playing board games this weekend. So what's your favorite board game? I'm not an expert in board games. You know, I haven't played many, but I would say at this point, and it's not a real board game, but uh, I would say the Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Okay. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective has been my favorite of, we've been playing Months, okay, like the the whole year we've been playing. And there was another one called something like Escape. And it was... Exit. exit, yeah, exit, which is like, imagine an escape room thing converted into some kind of yeah, a escape room in a box. In a box, oh, they're awesome. Okay, I really am enjoying them so much. Yeah, and uh, let me think because there was something else. Um, the code breaking one. You really like that? Yeah, that was a game. No, no, no. I'm trying to think if there was any of the games I played while I was at SCAD that were magnificent. Not that comes to mind at this point. But yeah, I would say it's the Sherlock Holmes are my favorite at the moment. <laughs> they sound like fun, like for real, like the ex- escape one too. That's really interesting. I can tell you guys more about it in the group chat. <laughs> I would love yes, to hear it, yeah. The exit one is a beauty. Sounds like a nightmare. I hate escape rooms. I'm that person. Please don't make me. I mean, I'd do one with you all. Why not? But man, they drive me nuts. Stress me out. I know which one I love. Sorry, I forgot. This is not a board game as a board game either. Okay. But it's a game that you play with other people. Is it called Codenames? Codenames. Have you played it? I haven't. No. Yeah. It's really good. Oh. I love that one. Although well, you eventually run out of the problem. Well, yeah, the they should have more expansion eating. packs, but I love that one. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, that's a really good Christmas yeah. game. And also there was another one, True Colors, that was fun, okay? <laughs> like to play in a party. They were good fun. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. It's a good question. It's very um very of the times. It is the game playing weather. And I like how you did you mention a Christmas game? Fruit? You play games on the holidays? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, of course, that was a code name. So we played it with when my son and his wife came to stay with us for Christmas. We were playing it, and some people are so competitive. Okay, <laughs> my son and Lainey's fiance, Pom's fiance, Roger. Are, Roger, okay, are both like trying to kill each other. Okay, no <laughs> sense of humor. God, what's so hard? Okay. <laughs> 
I can imagine those guys, okay? And the, you and I always wanted to be on the same team because you and I just kind of have the psychic link. Yeah, no, no, we, we play well together. And it's funny, I discovered now that I've been playing a lot of board games. It's that I love cooperation games. I didn't imagine I could possibly like them. And they're my favorite now, more than competitive games. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of discussing what shall we do and are we going to use, you know, this bit of wood today or tomorrow? Because Lane is Robinson Crusoe. Okay, but anyway, that answers the question. That was a great question. That was a great answer. I loved it. I don't don't know that we have any more um, Q&A questions, but Paul, thank you so much for for coming up and asking. Yes, thank you so much for coming. I love you all because I know you all so well. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for coming and for um I know it's nerve-wracking to get on stage and do a live a live recording. So hats off to you. It's so nice to learn so much more about you and I'm glad that Palm was there. Just added so much more fun. So thanks, Brute. Thank you, Branson. All right, I'll send us out with some music and everybody, thank you so much for coming. Everybody is just wonderful. You know, wonderful people. I hope you thank have a you. great weekend. It's that time. I really do. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.